Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I'd like to uh, invite you to take your scriptures and turn with me there. A choir of angels, you sounded like this morning. A couple of you in that section, a little bit off, other than that. Thank you, Matt, for leading us before the throne in worship this morning. A beautiful day, a wonderful day, a special day to be together in the house of the Lord. I feel like... um, I feel like a little tiny boy this morning with our subject, a little tiny boy that's standing, in a sense, on the, the base of a massive mountain that's top we cannot even see because it, it extends into the clouds. My, my, my goal, my prayer this morning is that we would, we would jar our thinking to a subject that is of such greatness that it's hard for us even humanly to, to fully comprehend when we, when we consider the glory of God. Especially, we need to jar our thinking because of like where we are right now. Like, like Christmas, I actually had, and I am not, I actually had a, a dream last night that there was like scotch tape and I had pieces of ripped wrapping paper and it was like all balled up and everything was sticky, it was horrible. It's a nightmare. It's, it's that, it's that. Like that's our world right now, like wrapping paper and tape. And we have to jar our thinking into this subject that is beyond human comprehension, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thus, the reason I feel like a little tiny boy at the base of this mountain. And so I invite you on this ascent this morning, real quickly, and um, I usually get in trouble by doing this because I, I forget some or, or I've not been given word, but just to, to let you know that there have been a couple little Christmas gifts that have arrived early this week. Um, congratulations to Justin and Ann Dixon on the birth of their daughter, Madeline, who I believe is here today, and we welcome Madeline officially uh, to Big Woods Bible Church, because there are many that are like about to be here. And then also, Marcus and Taylor Powers welcome their son, Simon Matthias. Matthias, Matthias, someone will have to correct me on that. Congratulations to these young couples and the gifts of grace that they receive and that we as a church are blessed with. A special, special... One of them was actually born on, I believe, on my sister's birthday, December the 18th. Little heads up. That means when your birthday's that close to Christmas, you get one less Christmas gift. Because it's just given to you before. Sorry, Simon. Let's bow our heads and go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. And we are in awe of who you are. Father, in in the, the, the crazy pace that we are in right now, to know just as, as 
Pastor Aaron led us in, in the Gospel of John in chapter 1 to your glory and grace. As Matt led us before the throne in worship, that there's times like this that we just, we just need to silence our hearts and lean in to see you as we anticipate the celebration of the incarnation. And Lord, we are amazed at your, your care for us in spite of ourselves, in spite of our hearts, in spite of our rebellion towards you, creator and savior. And Father, so we confess, I confess, that many things can grab our attention right now. And so we ask that through the power and might of your word and your spirit, that you would gather the loose ends and fragments of our mind, that we would focus on you as we, in a sense, are, are at the base of this mountain that is beyond our understanding and comprehension. So God, my prayer is that we would hear of you and we would see you like we have not heard or seen before. Father, please help me in desperate need. Just, just the words of my mouth and my tongue and thoughts. May everything that is spoken this morning be for your honor and for your glory. And Lord, we do minister. We ask that you would minister to, to hearts that are in turmoil, in trouble right now. Lord, quicken them, awake them, comfort them, convict them however you see fit. This morning we ask this in the amazing and wonderful, matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen and amen. <clears throat> I want you to pause just for a moment and consider how many Christmases, how many Christmases uh, you have experienced so far. This idea that we just love this time of the year, we love Christmas time and surprises, a season of surprises. I had to do the math. It's my 55th Christmas. Now, we all have to admit, okay, to be perfectly honest, the first couple of them are a little blurry for me and probably for you too, but that's what over 50 years I have woken up every single Christmas to what Gifts wrapped in red and green and gold paper. And I have looked for a little tag that has my name on it. You've done the same thing. And what do we do? We pick it up and, and we shake it and we smell it. And we wonder what could it be in that, in that little brief moment before we tear into it. This gift has been purchased. Someone thought of me. This is for me. It's my name on it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. This has my name on it. And we look forward to this. We anticipate this time because no other time, in a sense, do we what? Open more than on this day. One pastor I read calls this season a season of hyper-reality because everything is in overdrive. All of our senses with the music and the lights and the food. Someone is baking something, sneaking around, wrapping gifts, hiding gifts. And what? Tomorrow morning, you're probably going to find. Who knows? Like you have no idea. You, you could be like ushered out into the driveway to find a brand new car with a big, huge red bow on it, or a pair of socks. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be something huge or extravagant because we're together. 
And we love this. There's laughter and there's family and there's music. It's, it's perfect. But we all know as much as there's this anticipation that, that, and the truth is what? You and I will not and cannot be fully satisfied by gifts that we open on Christmas morning. And the reason is, is that we have a problem. A problem that is greater than a stocking filled with toothbrushes and toothpaste. And, and we always got walnuts in our stocking. It's, it's a problem that's greater than a new sweater or a new pair of socks or a new Buick with a big red bow on it can solve. Here's the problem. The world is in a broken relationship with our creator. Anyone can see this. Do you realize in Bethlehem this morning, not Bethlehem PA, but like the Bethlehem, they have canceled Christmas. There is no Christmas in Bethlehem in the West Bank this year. It's very, very easy to look around. CNN has reported what? A lot happened in 2023 from wars to wildfires to mass shootings. Reuters says what? This year is one that will go down in history as being marked by two great wars. Ongoing conflict in Ukraine as it fights off Russian invasion and a fresh outbreak of violence in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas militants. Fox News says 2023 was a news year of tears and disbelief. That, that's in a sense, and, and, and we, will, we will consider next weekend, New Year's Eve, as we open the door to a new year, it's pretty obvious that, that there's a lot of anger that's out there. It's all around. And people are hurling insults, relationships, families, marriages. The truth is the truth. Many of them are in chaos. Kids are confused. Like, who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing in my life? Parents are what? They're trying to offer answers, and there is equally confused. Anxiety abounds. Depression. Corruption. Everybody knows this. And I, I know, like, wait a minute. What about the presence and the tinsel? Thankfully, this is the good news. Thankfully, we have an answer to all of this that is found in the Word of God. I've told you on numerous occasions, I've been meditating slowly through the Psalms. This week, I've been in Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the entire Bible. There's 176 verses. It takes about 31 minutes to read it carefully and slowly through 176 verses, 174 of them speak directly by name of the blessing and benefits and the delight of the word of God. Referred to as the statutes of God, the counsel of God, the law of God, the testimonies of God, the promises of God. And yet for some reason, people, you today, even have a hard time of regularly opening it up and receiving and drinking from that well. People have a hard time with trusting and living according to this word. And what's interesting is this. 
You can have a leading talk show psychologist hear of a particular problem and they yell at the person and say, what, stop being an idiot. And everybody cheers. And yet if the word of God directs you to stop certain behavior for some reason, what? Because it's God's authority, it's an affront to your own. Mankind is what? In complete rebellion to the words, the counsel, the statutes of God's word. You believe this today and you are what labeled freakishly weird. But yet God still, still loves us. And God intervened in a way to what rescue us and to save us. Well, like how, how does this happen? How will this happen? Now, we have one verse to consider. And you'd say, well, that's, that's odd for you, Pastor Tim, in just like a whole day in, in just this one verse. Let me just remind you that there is so much here. We're actually going to look at it in two parts. That's the reason you have to come back tonight. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9 in verse 6, the word of the Lord. Here it is. This, this is how God shows his love for us. This is how God intervenes. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The word of the Lord. Now, some would say, well, this is not your typical Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, Christmas text. But we are, in a sense, quite familiar. This is referred to as what? It's referred to as a messianic prophecy. It's a prophecy about Jesus, although his name is not there. It's all about him. And just, just briefly, remember the mountaintop? We've got to set the stage a little bit. Who's writing here? The prophet Isaiah, 740 years. 740 years before the birth of Jesus that we celebrate tomorrow morning. Isaiah is a prophet, one that proclaims the truth of God to others. Isaiah doesn't speak a lot about himself. His father's name was Amos. We do know that he was married and that he was a father. And it appears he lived in Jerusalem and was severely persecuted for his faith in God. According to tradition, it says that he was put into a log and sawn in two. Hebrews chapter 11 actually speaks that this did happen to prophets who proclaimed truth. And it may very well have happened to Isaiah, the one who writes to us this morning. This book, this message is given as a result of a vision that Isaiah had as he wrote about this. He did it during the reign of four different kings in Judah, a span over 80 years. The first chapter tells us this. And Isaiah wrote chapters 1 through 39. We don't really know for sure. Chapters 40 through 66 may have been written by Isaiah, perhaps as well. They think it might have been written by another prophet, unknown, unnamed. The major theme throughout the book, this is why many of us love and adore Isaiah, the theme is God himself and how he does all things 
for his glory. The theme is best characterized, summarized in chapter 48, verse 11, which says this, for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. My glory, I will not give to another. A microcosm of Isaiah's main message is in chapters 1 and 2 when the Lord announces the fact that he has a charge against the people who have received so much, his own children. Like you and I, we have been what? Offered blessing after blessing. We have been given privilege and provision and protection. They should be so thankful as we should. They should be so grateful that they've received so much. But it says what in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, that they have despised the Holy One. Isaiah announces this, that they will face justice. But with all judgment, it's for a purpose to bring repentance. And so there's some tough words here. There's some strong words in this book. But yet Isaiah announces how God has a gift that is being offered to you and to I and to all rebellious children in the whole world. He's announcing a plan, and it is a good one. Good news which we need. I want to carefully unpack and examine the context and content of this announcement. And we begin with, number one, what I call God had a plan that revealed his glory. And it's a miraculous birth. For to us, a child is born. Stop. The glory of God. Now, if you just pause for a moment on Christmas time and the songs that we sing, even, even ones that were being played by the brass this morning. You realize how many times this theme comes up? We sing what? Glory in the highest. We sing angels from the realms of glory. We sing glory, hallelujah. The glory of God is defined as this, the splendor and brilliant beauty that shines through all of the divine attributes, but is especially evident in the crucified and risen Christ. So just pause for a moment. Remember this mountain before us? We're, we're in a sense, getting a glimpse of the brilliant beauty that shines through. Now, if you recall a little bit from some of the history of the Israelites in Exodus chapter 33, Moses... What? He says, Lord, I just want to see it. I just, I just want to behold your glory. And he actually asks this. Please, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all of my goodness. This is the Lord speaking. I will make all of my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But God says this, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. So, so Moses is what? Who, in a sense, is in regular communication, contact with God. And at some point, just, just him and, and God, he says, can, can, I, can I get a glimpse of your brilliance. And the Lord says, oh, my son, you are so far. He says, if I show you my glory, you literally would fall over dead. 
So, so simply put, the glory of God as revealed in his deity is beyond anything that we can fully comprehend. It's too big for us. So the question is this, how will we ever see his glory? That's a great question. It is through the incarnation. God becoming man, yet remaining fully God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. This is the collision of what is what? The divinity and humanity that is so big and so hard for us to understand. Thankfully, Paul describes this well in Philippians chapter 2. Like, how does this happen? Though he is, was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that, above, that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, this is you and I, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so there's these phrases here. It says that when God, and we read, when God humbled himself, and when God emptied himself, you can be assured of this. It's, it's, he, he's not becoming less divine. He's not becoming less God. Absolutely not. Think for a moment with a baby in the womb. He still is, even as a little one in the womb, he still is the one, as Hebrews chapter 1 describes the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Just pause on that. The little one hasn't even been born yet, and he is upholding the entire universe beyond our comprehension yet God thankfully and graciously gave us a way and a means to behold his glory and it's through the miraculous virgin birth a glimpse in a sense that we can handle French theologian John Calvin said it like this and I left that quote with you on the bottom of your note sheet hold on to this and, and, and I want to explain this a little bit how are we so devoid of intellect? Calvin's going to call it what it is. He goes, in a sense, how are us thick-headed, limited minds, so devoid of intellect as not to understand that God, in so speaking, lisps with us as nurses are wont to do with little children? Such modes of expression, therefore, do not so much express what kind of being God is as accommodate the knowledge of him to our feebleness. In doing so, he must, of course, stoop far below his proper height. In a sense, what is Calvin saying? He's saying this. He goes, I love you. 
okay? I've created you, each of you, in my image, but your mind is so tiny. God, in his grace, will actually use baby talk so that we get a glimpse of understanding his glory. We are like little children standing before the mountain that's too big. And so what? He stoops down to us. And get this, what's part of the fun of the build? And we have to admit, the days before Christmas are a whole lot more fun than the days after Christmas, right? Let's just call it what it is. Hey, just get ready, like Tuesday's a letdown. What's part of this fun is the buildup, is the anticipation. It's the little sticky balls of tape that are like, Ugh! that's the fun part. Wrapping gifts, hiding gifts, piles of bright colored festive paper. That's the cool part. And we still look for the little tag that says to uh, my honey, to Pop Pop, to Timmy, to Timmy. We look for something that identifies as what? Because the plan, the present that Isaiah is describing to you has your name on it. To us, a child is born. And then he repeats it. Why? Because we're slow learners. To you, the son is given. And it's hard to miss. Why? Because... He is attempting to, in a sense, package something that really can't be packaged as he declares what full humanity of Jesus and yet full divinity at the same parts. Nigelsbach says it like this, thus the statements fit this place very well, that one day there will be a birth, the fruit of which will be a child, which fastened wonderfully and infinitely higher than all other human children. So the little ones that were born, beautiful. Yeah, this doesn't compare. Will establish the kingdom of David, his ancestor, not only on the firmest foundations, but shall raise it up to the point of eternal power and peace. Although we have limited capacity... We can certainly identify with the wonder. We think of this dear little young woman, this virgin Mary, who in a sense was given an announcement and given at some level information about what was happening to her body and what is going to happen and this gift that in a sense that she has been called to be the wrapping paper for. And yet we have to admit that even Mary didn't fully comprehend and doesn't fully know what's going on. It's Mark Lowry's song that we all listen to. Like it's been playing like 10,000 times on the radio, which is a wonderful song. But it's everywhere. Mary, did you know that your baby would one day walk on water? Uh, no, she didn't know that. Mary, did you know that your, your son would one day give sight to the blind man? Uh, no, she didn't know that. She knew that something big was happening, and it's pretty special. Mary, did you know he's the Lord of all creation? Did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nation? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Now, she's given this bits and pieces of it, 
No doubt. But the details of what healing a blind man walking on water. Now she remembers, she remembers the words. Remember when the rest of the disciples forgot it? She remembers what was going to happen to her son after he was crucified. So on the third day, he would rise again. And a mom doesn't forget words like that. But for the most part, it's really, really tiny glimpse. God had a plan that revealed his glory. It's a miraculous birth. But secondly, God promised a solution that demonstrates his grace, a marvelous Savior. That's the beauty of what Pastor Aaron read in John chapter 1, where grace and glory come together here. For to us a son is given. Now think about this. If the phrase to us a child is born declares the humanity of Jesus, then the phrase to us a son is given declares his deity. This is referred to as I talked about. What is Isaiah chapter 9? A messianic prophecy. And there's many of them. It points to the Messiah. That Jesus is both the child that was born and the son that was given. And you can't help but begin to say, wait a minute, doesn't this sound a little familiar? Before we get to Isaiah chapter 9, we read in Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you, uh, there's the tag with your name on it again. The Lord himself will give you a sign, a miraculous intervention, a miracle that cannot happen apart from God. And here it is, a virgin shall conceive. Excuse me, biologically that does not happen apart from God's miraculous touch. Virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I think Matthew speaks of that. And again, it's this, I will give you from Isaiah 7 that connects what? To Isaiah chapter 9, to us. A child is born to us. A son is given and we get this gift. Yeah, wait a minute. If you recall the nation Israel, their hearts are far from God. They are, they, they've been offered provision and protection, blessing upon blessing upon blessing, and they have been what? Hard-hearted. They've been ungrateful for what God has done. They've been unthankful for what God has done, and yet they still get a gift. In a sense, just like you and I, you are crazy running, what? We forget God's graces. Grace upon grace. And we too tend to be what? Ungrateful, unthankful. And yet, wait a minute, we're giving a gift? And, and we get a gift even in our ingratitude? Getting a gift is cool. Getting a gift when you know you don't deserve it is what? That's even cooler. That's what we call grace. God has lavishly poured this out. We sing about how amazing this grace is. The gift is a child. The gift is a son. Which you can't help as we continue on, and we'll look at this tonight, the theological kind of conundrum, the tension that exists in this text. Where we just read what? He is the son, but he's also called later the father, the everlasting father. And we know this about Jesus the angels in Luke chapter 2 refer to this sign, the Son, who is the Son of God, is referred to as the Everlasting Father. 
Now, if the mountain was not tall enough, we're like, what? How? Now, biologically speaking, every son has a father. And a son can be a father, but not every son is a father. But here we're talking about the son of God. What is happening here is that we begin to what? Although we see through it a little dimly, we're getting a glimpse of the Trinity. Even as Isaiah, at some degree, is in the dark. He's revealing. He's teaching. We can know now that although both the Father and the Son are unique and distinct, they are one. Hard to grasp, but necessary. In 325 A.D., Constantine I called what is referred to now, and we all know this in church history, as what? The Council of Nicaea. Early church fathers, 300 of them met. They gathered seeking to settle a Christological issue of the divine nature of God the Son and his relationship to God the Father, resulted in what we now know as the Nicene Creed. And there were many heresies that were being offered to Trinitarian theology, particularly for one man whose name was Arius, who suggested that the Son of God did not always exist, but was begotten by the Father. Heresy. In a sense, he's denying the deity of Christ. This is the story that connects us even to this. There's one of the fathers there, a Turkish bishop, whose name was St. Nicholas, who heard of, of, of Arius's what? Error, his heresy, and it is reported... I was not there, so I do not know, but I, I heard of this, and history tells us there. Pastor Aaron would say he may or he may not have done this. I'm leaning towards the may part. St. Nicholas was so furious, he stood up, walked across the room, and he punched Arius in the face. <laughs> A gathering of pastors. Oh, so perfect. Jared Wilson was preaching on this or reminded people, as I remind you today, Santa's not going to give you a lump of coal if you've been naughty, but he's going to give you a punch in your face if your theology is wrong. <laughs> That's why Christmas Eve, we're going to look at the glory of God on display for us. The gift is what? The gift that is offered is the Son of God. The Son is not the Father, and the Father is not the Son, but it's telling us something about the Father. What is that? Jesus, later on in his ministry, as we know, he was teaching what? And his mission is set, and he makes these claims in John chapter 10. I and the Father are one. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. What is the gift like, let's get to the part that we get something. The gift is this. God himself, the creator. He spoke everything into existence, ex nihilo, from nothing. Try to do that. The one who saw you and knew you before the foundations of the earth were set. He saw your little like face. The one who, who formed each of our fingerprints, unique from one another. 
The one who, who allowed what? Mommy and daddy to come together and bring new life. Everyone in this world created in the image of God. And in spite of our hardness of our heart, in spite of neglecting to see the beauty that God just continues to reveal himself and display through natural revelation of himself revealed through creation. In spite of the fact that we just continue on and we say, how dare God doesn't answer my prayer. It's that one that God offers himself. And so here it's what the essence of this text in the midst of this incredible time of darkness. I remember last year, sadly, but in 2022, I remember preaching how dark that year was. And guess what? 2023 is even darker. And I hate to tell you, as we look forward and are so excited about an upcoming election, that 2024 is probably going to be a pretty difficult year for many. In the middle of that, to us, there's your name, a child is born. To us, a son is given, a plan that reveals his glory, a promise that demonstrates his grace. And to know, and this is where everything else kind of goes black around us and we just see into the depths of our own hearts because only you, only you know the depths of your own hearts. And we know because our name is there on that little tag that your sins and my sins are totally forgiven. We'll talk about that tonight. We'll talk about the ugliness and how what we try to do to kind of cover it up. And God doesn't cover up our ugliness. He reveals it. And he takes what's the ugliness of our heart and cleanses it to be white as snow through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of that because of this gift, because of Jesus. And so I encourage you, even with the pace that we are going, to go slow in this moment, to see this truth and to know this with all the hype and the anticipation, with all the excitement and the preparation any gift that is underneath that tree will not and cannot satisfy, but the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ most certainly will. And so I close with this thought. Have, have you received the gift that has been offered to you? Just think for a moment. Under the tree the biggest and the most beautifully wrapped gift. Okay, all the other ones are there, they're cool, but there's this one that just caught your eye as soon as you walked in the room. And, and just imagine for a moment the biggest, most beautiful gift. And it has your name on it. And then you, you open up, what? The toothpaste and the toothbrush. And the socks. And you leave that one still wrapped under the tree. There would be a word for that. I won't say it. I just, like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, like, the greatest gift that has been offered to you 
Have you received it? Have you opened it? Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest gift ever, as your personal Lord and Savior? What, what, there is no better time, there's no better time than, than to write in the front of your Bible on, on Christmas Eve, December the 24th, 2023, I opened the gift that was given to me. And so I invite you, I encourage you to open the gift of Jesus Christ himself, who was born, who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross to pay for your sins and mine, but he didn't stay dead. He rose, and in the victory of the resurrection, he offers you eternal life. May today be the day of salvation. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. That is, it's beyond words. And as we begin to kind of scratch the surface of a subject that is so big, we thank you, Lord, that that you use baby talk with us in our finite minds and finite thinking. You give to a, a glimpse of your infinite glory and your amazing grace. Father, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice would know what that gift is, that they would have received it, that they live from this moment forward with the Lord Jesus Christ as King Jesus as he is Lord and Savior of their life. Father, as we close our time and we sing together, may our voices together herald your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.